with it. We're calling this series The Story Fulfilled, just looking at the ways that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises of the Old Testament and all the hopes and dreams of every heart, every human heart that's ever lived. Um, And so, Father, we just ask for eyes to see and ears to hear as we look to your word. Open your word to us. Help us to understand your word. Give us a hunger and a thirst for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 20. So who in here has ever tried to learn a new language? Do we have any bilingual people? Who's bi- who, who would say, I'm bilingual? Very many, we've got one person that's fully bilingual. Okay, a couple people. A couple people. That are, now, who's attempted to learn a new language before? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and when we learn a new language, or we're trying a new language, it can be frustrating, it can be exhausting, but it can also be deeply rewarding. It can be a deeply rewarding experience. But sometimes learning a new language feels upside down. And sometimes learning a new language feels backwards. Uh, like, like when we're, if we're, trying, if we're a native English speaker, if, if English is our first language, and we're, and we're learning Spanish, like learning to put the adjectives after the noun, you know, that can feel upside down and backwards. Or if we're going from Spanish to English, and, you know, there, there's things that, about the English language that can really feel backwards. Um, I remember sitting in class learning, trying to learn to read Hebrew and, and trying to train myself to read from right to left rather than left to right. I mean, that's definitely backwards. Like, you don't want to, I mean, who, who, who came up with that, you know? And so, so sometimes learning a language, it, it feels backwards. It feels upside down. And sometimes there can be embarrassing moments when we're learning a new language. Um, if, if you're familiar with uh, Spanish, the word, uh, or a word for sin in Spanish is pecados. Is that, is that right? Pecados. Well, there was an, uh, 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 an English-speaking preacher, not me, well, really wasn't me, but he was down in Mexico, and he's, he's talking about how Jesus died for your sins, and he doesn't know why everybody started laughing. That's not funny. Well, he said that Jesus died for your pescados, uh, which is fish, okay? Uh, and so a totally different, you know, pescados, pescados, that's t- two totally different words, but some, when we're learning a new language, there can be these embarrassing and awkward moments, um, and, but it's rewarding, like when we're able to interact, when we're able to understand, when the light bulb goes off, and we're able to communicate, and, 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 and when we, start, we find ourselves start thinking in that language and dreaming in that language, they say that's, that's when we're really uh, getting it. But as we think about the kingdom of God, as we think about uh, as, as, as the kingdom that, that, uh, that Christ has, has invaded this world, um, sometimes looking at the kingdom life that, that Jesus has 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 brought to us, sometimes looking at the abundant life that Scripture talks about, um, sometimes it looks so upside down and backwards compared to this world. And the values of the kingdom of God seem so opposite from the values of this, of this world. And so living, learning to live the kingdom life can be a little like learning a new language. It's frustrating, it's awkward at times, it can be disorienting, and sometimes it feels totally upside down. And just an example of that, think about how hard it was for Jesus' disciples 2,000 years ago to grasp this statement that the greatest among you will be your servant. Like how many times did they complain, did they argue amongst themselves, well, which one of us is the top dog? Which one of us is going to be the greatest? Who's going to sit on Jesus' right hand and left hand? But yet over and over, he says, no, the greatest among you will be your servant. 2,000 years later, that still is, is paradoxical to us. That still feels upside down to us. Uh, the, the, uh, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it will remain alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I mean, these seem uh, backwards. These feel like upside down statements. And sometimes we look at the things Jesus says, and it's literally like he's speaking a different language than us. And it was like that for his disciples 2,000 years ago, too. And, and we struggle to comprehend. And, and so as we turn to 
Luke chapter 6, we're going to read, beginning in verse 20, we're going to read from the Sermon on the Plain. Um, Matthew, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, has the Sermon on the Mount, which is a longer sermon, a longer version of, of a lot of the same material. Uh, so, so did Jesus preach this on the mountain, or did he preach it on the plain? Probably both. Jesus probably preached this message uh, multiple times. And, uh, and then uh, also Matthew's sermon notes look a little bit different than, uh, than Luke's sermon notes, okay? And so if, if, uh, if you take notes, which some, some of you do, and, and then you compare notes, sometimes somebody will say, tell me something that they wrote in their notes. And I'm like, what? You know? but, uh, but so we've got Luke's sermon notes, we've got Matthew's sermon notes, but we've also got a very similar sermon that, that happened at least two different times. And, and this is the basic content of Jesus' message, his kingdom message that he preaches over and over and over again. And so some of it's a little bit different than Luke, but again, uh, this probably took place two different, two different times. And, uh, and this is core teaching from Jesus about what the kingdom life looks like, what the good life really looks like, what it really means to live a blessed life, um, what kingdom righteousness really looks like. And, uh, and, and, and the, the, the thought that I'd like us to carry today is that because Jesus has ushered in a new day, because Jesus has ushered in a new day, we can live today in a new way. Because Jesus has ushered in a new day, we can live today in a new way. Because Jesus has ushered in a new day, we can live today in a new way. So let's begin in verse 20. And I'm just going to read from verse 20 to 49. And, uh, and let's just, these are important, important, important words. And so let's let these words soak into our minds and hearts. Luke 6, beginning in verse 20. And, and Jesus lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry." Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Anybody feeling like we're speaking a different language yet? Love your enemies. Do good, actively do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, you do to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful." Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. 
With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good measure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep uh, foundations and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Wow, these are words that uh, a lot of ink has been, has been spilled over these words. And, and, uh, and, and uh, I, however much we've thought about and prayed through these words, keep doing it. Um, we're certainly in the next few minutes not going to say everything that can be said about these words, but I'd like for us to look at how do we approach this passage? Because this is, unfortunately, often the church and often Christians have kind of found this passage to be really tough, and so we've just dismissed it. And I've known a lot of people who are, I mean, b- biblical literalists. Man, the, God created the earth in this many days, and 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 uh, and everything the Bible says is true, and then we get to turn the other cheek and they say, whoa, hold on, Jesus couldn't really mean that. And in most conversations I have with people about this passage of Scripture, it ends up being, where's the loophole in this? How can I find the loophole where Jesus isn't really saying what he's saying? Um, so this is a tough passage of Scripture, but how do we approach it? One question that I would ask us, is, is, is this passage, think about this, is this law or is this gospel? Is the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain, these words we just read, is this law or is it good news? Um, a lot of times, or I guess traditionally, this is approached as law. Um, and if we, if we see this as law, we're going to interpret it one way. If we see it as gospel or good news, we're going to interpret it another way. So some say, many say, this is law. And some are going to say, in fact, Jesus is meaner than Moses. That's what I was told. Jesus is meaner than Moses. And this is the Old Testament law on steroids. You thought you, thought you had a hard time keeping the Ten Commandments. Now Jesus is saying, wait till you get a hold of this. You can't even lust in your heart. You can't, if you're mad at somebody, you've killed them already. And, 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 uh, and people that call this law, they say, well, this is a list of rules that Jesus has just ratcheted up. And now we're, we come to this point where we say of desperation, Oh, I can't do this. And then we cry out to Jesus in faith. Um, and, and some say that this law is intended to show us how incapable we are. And that drives us to faith in Jesus. But that interpretation also 
kind of lets us off the hook of actually doing this stuff. Uh, others say it's a law, and, 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 and yeah, you, uh, by the grace of God, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to do this stuff. And, but it's still it becomes like a, a rule. Okay, and I think about, well, okay, so if somebody slaps me today, I'm going to give them the other cheat, and we make this a real kind of rule-oriented checklist. That's if it's law. But if it's gospel, if this is gospel, then Jesus is proclaiming to us that he has brought a new reality into being. If Jesus is the king of your heart, if Jesus, if his kingdom has invaded your heart and mine, this is eventually going to be what your heart looks like, what we just read. If Jesus is the king of my heart and the king of your heart, our hearts are eventually going to look like the passage that we just read. Um, so to lay the ground, I, I believe that this is gospel. And to lay the groundwork for that, let's, let's remember that, that so far in Luke, uh, and in Matthew, and in Mark, uh, Jesus talks, his core message is this message of the kingdom of God, that God's kingdom is at hand, the good news or the gospel of the kingdom. And, and the, the good news of the kingdom, this gospel that Jesus proclaims, is that, that Jesus is Lord, he's the king of the kingdom, he's the Lord of the universe, and, and he invites us to be part of what he's doing. He invites us to be part of the rule and reign of God that is broken into this world. So back in Luke one thirty three, we read, uh, this is in Mary's song, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. In Luke 4.43, Jesus said to the people, I must preach the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for that purpose. Jesus came to preach the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. Uh, in, in, in just a little while, we'll be in Luke chapter 8, Luke 8, 1. Soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. In Luke 9, verse 2, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So what we see Jesus doing is proclaiming good news, preaching the gospel. But we are prone to think that the gospel is merely, here's how you get your sins forgiven, and here's how you get to heaven when you die. And because Jesus doesn't talk in, in this passage about how we get our sins forgiven and how we go to heaven when we die, we think that it must not be gospel. But in fact, what Jesus is, I believe, what he's proclaiming here to us is this is how a heart begins to look when that heart has been seized by the good news of the kingdom of God. The good news, the gospel, is that Jesus is king. That's the good news that we proclaim. And because Jesus is king, he teaches with authority, and he speaks with authority, and he heals diseases, he does all these things that we see him doing in Luke. But, but the message that he proclaims is, is this, that his kingdom has come. And he's, he's the king, and this new day has dawned, and because of that, something is going to be transformed in my heart. Is this the law on steroids? I don't think so. This is the good news, that your heart is going, when it's, your heart is under the kingship of Jesus, my heart's under the kingship of Jesus, our hearts are going to be transformed. Back in Matthew 5, Jesus says, don't think that I've come to fulfill the law, but I've come, or don't think that I've come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. Uh, Jesus isn't saying there, I've come to ratchet it up and make the law even harder. He's saying there, I've come to take the law to where it was always intended to go, 
but it couldn't go on its own. He fulfills. It's what the law was always pointing to. Um, This sermon is gospel because it's good news that Jesus has brought God's kingdom rule into this world. He's brought the future into the present. And here, those words we just read, that's King Jesus showing us how kingdom people live. How people live when the kingdom of God takes root in their life. So again, because Jesus has ushered in a new day, we can live today in a new way. Uh, So let's begin with the Beatitudes, the Blesseds, um, in verse 20. Uh, if, 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 if you do a, uh, we did this a couple years ago or a few years ago when we were going through Matthew and, and we, we looked at some of the hashtag blessed uh, uh, posts on social media. That was one of the, I think, most more memorable things we've done. Uh, and and uh, there's, I think on Instagram, there's something like 84 million or something like that hashtag blessed uh, quote, uh, hashtag blessed posts. And if you do that hashtag, it's usually something like, I had the best meal ever, or, or look at this great keto food I'm eating, hashtag blessed, or, or a guy in the gym with huge arms, and he's hashtag blessed, and hey, uh, uh, I just won the lottery, hashtag blessed. Oh, I can't believe I'm getting to hang out on the beach, hashtag blessed. And usually we associate blessing, the blessing of God with, things are going good for me. And in ancient Greek usage, that word that Jesus uses here for blessed, makarios, which means blessed or happy, the ancient Greeks viewed to be blessed as they viewed blessed as I'm wealthy and I don't have troubles. Isn't that pretty much how we view being blessed today? I'm wealthy and I don't have troubles. Uh, and so I'm not saying we shouldn't when something good happens. Yeah, thank God for it. But, but, but Jesus takes what we would call blessed and he turns it upside down because uh, what Jesus does is he, he gives us a transformed uh, relationship to status. He says, blessed are the poor. Um, now, if this is law, and Jesus says, blessed are the poor and, and woe, to the, uh, woe to the rich, then if this is law, we all need to go uh, get poor. And, 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 if we're, well, and, then we, and, and then we say, well, no, he doesn't really want us to do that. And so we end up just dismissing the whole thing. When we put this in the law category, we end up just dismissing the whole thing. But, but what is Jesus saying? Well, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who weep. If we've been tracking with Luke, remember Mary's song? He has exalted the lowly state of, of, his, of his servant. Remember what Jesus read in the, in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4? He says, I've come to proclaim good news to the poor. This is what Jesus has been saying all the way through the gospel, that what he brings, his message is good news for people that need good news. His message is, he is good news for people that are desperate. And so... Uh, if, we, if we look at those, those lists of blesseds, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are those who weep, blessed are you when people hate you. When somebody hates you or is mad at you, anybody say, man, I'm feeling really blessed right now. No. So what's he saying? Should we seek that out? No, but, but part of what he's saying is that no matter what situation you find yourself in, when you're sick and depressed and down, you can be blessed because God's kingdom has come near to you. Christ is near to you. Um, maybe you read a couple years ago there was a story about the Minecraft. Anybody familiar with the game Minecraft? Anybody play Minecraft? Well, the 20-something-year-old creator of Minecraft sold the program to Microsoft a couple years ago for about $2.5 billion, okay? Just take a minute to think about how much money that is, $2.5 billion. You could spend, if my money's correct, Jeff, you could spend $25 million a year for 100 years, 
and that would get to 2.5 billion, okay? So he, 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 here's this 25-year-old guy with $2.5 billion, and uh, the CNN story says, you might think the developer of Minecraft who sold his video game for $2.5 billion would be living the dream. But according to a series of tweets over the weekend, Marcus Person is pretty unhappy with his life and huge wealth. Um, he bought this house in Beverly Hills for $70 million. He outbid uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z. Uh, he says, the problem with getting everything is you run out of reasons to keep trying, and human interaction becomes impossible due to imbalance. Um, so some of us here are saying, hey, I'd be willing to give that a shot, you know? <laughs> but $2.5 billion didn't make him happy. Having everything didn't satisfy him. And that's something of what Jesus is getting at. Uh, blessed are those who know they're desperate. And woe to those who are satisfied and don't sense that they need good news. Again, he's not saying go out and try to get poor and persecuted. Uh, but wherever you are, whatever circumstance we're in, we can truly be blessed because the kingdom of God has come near in Jesus Christ. So to those that are at the end of the rope who feel like they have nothing to offer, whom this present world isn't working, the poor, the sick, the abused, the powerless, Jesus throws open the door and says, I have good news for you. I am good news for you. And to those for whom this world is working out pretty well, the good news sounds kind of like bad news. Um, and again, this, this kind of flows right with what we've seen about the gospel all the way going back to Mary's song in Luke 1. And, and then when Jesus says, woe to the rich and woe to those who are full now, woe to those who laugh now, uh, that, 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 that word woe carries this sense of sorrow and grief. It's not, I'm going to come get you if you're rich. He's saying, man, I, I feel sorrow and grief for those who don't see how needy they are. Woe to the guy that, that sells this program for $2.5 billion and still isn't happy. There's sadness about that. Um, it's, when Jesus gives this blesseds and these woes, he's not saying that we're called to be people who deny our circumstances. Um, oh, I'm blessed, but, but really I'm, I, I feel terrible. No, we can acknowledge our, our circumstances when they're sorrow. We can acknowledge uh, 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 evil when it's there. This isn't about denial, but it's about embracing the good news that God rules and that that's good news regardless of my circumstances. I could be sick, poor, betrayed, and mocked and still be blessed because the kingdom has brought, been brought near to me in the person of Jesus. I can still be a person who prays, Lord, let your kingdom come, your will be done. Because Jesus has ushered in a new, a new day, we can live today in a new way. The good news next means transformed relationships. Um, I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those, he says, who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Turn the other cheek when you get slapped on one cheek. Give the cloak off your back. Give without demanding a return. Do to others what you would have them do to you. And, and again, so we hear this. If this is new law, whoo. And then we, we start finding ways to get around it. Well, turn the other cheek. If, and give your cloak. If, well, this only applies if. And suddenly we're doing all these gymnastics. But what if this is a picture of a heart that's been captivated by the amazing and incredible mercy of God? What if this is a picture... Uh, now, is this challenging? Of course this is challenging. This doesn't come naturally to any of us. But it's a description of how your life, my life, can look, will look, and what we live. If you know Jesus, this is what your heart will eventually look like. Well, it doesn't look like that now. Yeah, he's got a whole eternity to work with you. 
He, he's got a whole eternity to work with me. Hopefully it won't take that long. But, but, but God is going, if, if He's the Lord of my heart, my heart is eventually going to look like this. I am eventually going to become a person who loves my enemies. How close can you get to this before you die? Um, I want to be a person whose response when I'm slapped is to turn the other cheek. I'm going to become a person who wants to give, a, give my coat away and, 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 and without demanding anything in return. Um, to those who heard this the first time, and those of us today, this sounds like a foreign language. What? Forgive, love my enemies, give the shirt off my back. What? Turn the other cheek. And to this original audience, I mean, those Romans, you want us to be kind and merciful to those Romans? They don't deserve it. Those are terrible people. Again, what if Jesus isn't giving us an impossible list of laws to keep? What if he's not just giving us a bunch of rules to show us that we can't do it? What if he's giving us descriptions of how a life can look when he's the Lord of a life? How a life can look, a heart can look when it comes under his kingdom rule. And this actually pairs really well with Romans 8 where we'll be tonight at 6. A people who lived like this, imagine a people, how many people have you known that live like this? A people that live like this, that forgive, that, that, that love their enemies, that pray for them who persecute them whether we're in elementary school or whether we're in a retirement home or anywhere in between, a people that live like this are a light in the darkness. And that's what this is about. Um, in, in verse 32 through 36, Jesus gets at the heart of this. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And look at this. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. What Jesus is describing here is the heart of God. That's what all of this is rooted in. Love your enemies, forgive those who who hurt you, these aren't random laws that Jesus just pulled out of nowhere to make life really hard on us. These aren't just random hoops that God wants us to jump through. These are descriptions of the character of God. This is how God in Christ has related to you. This is how God in Christ has related to me. Sometimes we think the gospel is that I was this victim of sin and Christ swooped in and saved me. But in reality, Romans chapter 5, verse 6, while we were weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved for His life. We weren't just innocent victims of sin that Jesus came and rescued. We were enemies of God. Anyone apart from Christ is an enemy of... I was an enemy of God. And Jesus rescued me. He loves His enemies he forgives those he's kind to those who are totally ungrateful and when you love somebody and you're kind to somebody and they're totally ungrateful and they spit in your face that's like this much of god's daily reality this 
is rooted in the character of God. We tend to either um, minimize the reality of evil or become over-focused and bogged down on it. Jesus isn't preaching, again, Jesus isn't preaching denial here. When he talks about forgiveness, he's not saying we just pretend uh, evil things didn't happen. He's not telling us to put a smiley face on evil. We're called to be people who look evil in the face and call it what it is. And then we put it on the cross of Jesus Christ. We're not people who avoid or deny evil. We see evil. We call it what it is, but yet we're not controlled by it. That's how Jesus operates with evil. Because Jesus has ushered in a new day, we can live today in a new way. Um, Finally, the good news means a transformed heart. Look with me in verse 43. Um, Luke 6, 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If I'm going to relate to others in a way that's rooted in forgiveness, not condemnation, that's rooted in generosity, not stinginess, that's rooted in mercy, then something fundamentally has to be transformed. My heart has to be transformed. There's a lot of mesquite trees around here, and if we went to Brookshire's and we got a bunch of apples, and we went and strung a bunch of those apples on mesquite trees, how long is it going to take, how long are those apples going to stay alive? Not very long. Jesus isn't telling us that we should decorate our dead trees with a bunch of good works and that's going to somehow get us in with God. He's saying that my dead tree has to become a living tree. And that's something supernatural that happens in your heart and in my heart as we respond to God's grace in faith. as, As He offers His grace to me and I respond in faith, I go from being a dead tree that cannot produce anything and I become a living tree that produces the fruit described in this passage. Um... It's not going to do any good to go clench my teeth and, and, okay, hit me in the face so I can turn the other one in and I forgive you. No. It's not about keeping rules. It's about, is Christ reigning and ruling in my heart and your heart? My heart needs transformation. Your heart needs transformation. And that's exactly what begins to happen as the King of Heaven is enthroned in my heart. At the end, Jesus describes those who hear these words and do them, practice them, um, as people who built their life on a rock. A life that can withstand all the storms and threats and struggles of life and yet be built on the rock. Because Jesus has ushered in a new day, we can live today in a new way. Um, This is good news. I'm just amazed as, as I read this, as I read about forgiving enemies, going the extra mile and turning the other cheek and and serving and giving to those who are ungrateful, that's who God is. That's what God has done in Christ. And so, this isn't theory for Jesus. Jesus literally came and loved His enemies. And when we gathered around Him and we tore the cloak off of His back, He gave it. And He offered Himself His very life on a cross. 
for those that were his enemies, for those that were not grateful. He poured out his grace for those who look at it and then cheap it, uh, treat it like it's cheap. This picture is who Jesus is. And if Christ is in you, if Christ is in me, this is who I'm going to become. Not overnight, but this is, what, this is where God's taken me. So since that's who God is, if Christ is in you, this is who you're becoming. How will you cooperate? Are you going to drag your feet all the way? How do we learn a new language? Well, we spend time speaking it with other people. If you want to really learn a new language, you need to surround yourself with people that are fluent in that language or people that are learning that language. I know when I was taking uh, biblical languages, Greek and Hebrew, we would gather together and do study groups. When, when, I, when my Spanish has been at its best, it's been at times when I've been around people that are speaking and I've been thrust into situations where I, I, I had to learn. Um, picked up some Arabic uh, this summer, just, just being around people in Iraq that were, the, the, that's obviously a, or Kurdish. Uh, that's what they were speaking was the Kurdish language. Um, we spend time speaking it with others, hanging around people who are also trying to learn. How do, I live, how do I learn to apply and live and cooperate in the kingdom life? I need to surround my pe- myself with people that are, that are also trying to live the kingdom life. Not perfectly, but that are seeking and, 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 and desiring to live the kingdom life. Uh, we, we learn a new language when we practice it, even when it would be much easier to stick to the old language we know. You know, it's easier to stick to the old uh, the old approach to life of, of grumbling and, 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 and condemnation and, and holding and resenting. But as I practice this, even when it's easier not to, I begin to learn it. It becomes part of me. And, and we learn a new language when we can, if we have the resources to do so, if we enlist the aid of a master teacher. Man, that's going to help us learn that language even, even, even better. And so in this room, there's people that maybe, maybe you look over at, at, at Matt and say, oh, I can imitate, this is Christ-like in Matt, I'll imitate that. Ooh, I also see this in Matt, I don't need to imitate that. Or, hey, I can imitate this in Joe Bob, better not imitate that. You know, I'll imitate this in Derek, but well, maybe not that part. But as we look at Christ, he's the master teacher. He is fluent in this language. This is who he is. And if you've placed your trust in Him, we believe that He is in you and He is with you. He will show you how to do this. And when we fail, we get words wrong, we embarrass ourselves, we blow up, we get it wrong, we punch somebody in the face instead of turning the other cheek or whatever, we get it wrong. We embarrass ourselves, we drop the ball, but eventually we become fluent in that new language we begin to think it, we begin to dream it, and we begin to be people who look like this. Because Jesus has ushered in a new day, we can live today in a new way.